0: That's the problem when you move towards impeachment on this abbreviated schedule that has not been explained to me. Why you want to set the record for the fastest impeachment.
1: Today, I'm asking our chairman to proceed
2: with articles of impeachment.
0: Fast is
1: not good for impeachment. When the impeachment of Donald Trump began, it was supposed to be an ambush. Yes, the Ukraine investigators would lead the charge because the Ukraine shakedown was such an explosive scandal. But while the House Intelligence Committee took the lead on that matter, a bunch of other committees would pile on Trump with their own investigations. Here's House Speaker Nancy Pelosi back in September.
2: For the past several months, we have been investigating in our committees and litigating in the courts so the House can gather all the relevant facts and consider whether to exercise its full Article I powers, including a constitutional power of the utmost gravity approval of articles of impeachment. Today, I'm announcing the House of Representatives moving forward with an official impeachment inquiry. I'm directing our six committees to proceed with their investigations under that umbrella.
1: Those six committees included the ones with jurisdiction over Trump's conduct towards Ukraine, of course. But they also included some outliers. The Ways and Means Committee, which writes and oversees tax laws. Financial Services, which oversees Well, the financial services industry. For a moment, it seemed as if Ukraine would be just the tip of the impeachment spear. The Oversight Committee had been investigating Trump for pocketing federal and foreign dollars in violation of the Constitution's emoluments clauses. Financial services wanted to know whether Trump had laundered money through his private businesses. The Ways and Means Committee had requested Trump's tax returns, and his administration had violated the law requiring the IRS to turn them over. The idea was that these committees would investigate widely and aggressively, and then, when they were done, they'd all submit their findings to the Judiciary Committee, which would bundle them into articles of impeachment. Fast forward to December. Pelosi has now instructed members of the Judiciary Committee to begin drafting articles of impeachment, but they've only received one report.
0: Today, we transmit uh, the report of the work of three committees, the Intelligence Committee, the Oversight Committee as well as the Foreign Affairs Committee, into the president's misconduct with respect to Ukraine.
1: That was Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff. His report on the Ukraine scandal makes a slam-dunk case for Trump's impeachment. But it also raises more questions than it answers.
0: As I mentioned, we continue to investigate whether this scheme began earlier than expected, whether this scheme also involved the last president of Ukraine. Um, If we do uncover additional evidence and, and we do learn more every day, We will feel free to file supplemental reports uh, to the Judiciary Committee. So
1: instead of fielding multiple recommendations from multiple committees and weighing the evidence of high crimes, the Judiciary Committee will proceed based on the findings of one investigation, which is still technically ongoing. In other words, things haven't gone exactly as they were supposed to This week, some of the most preeminent constitutional scholars in the country testified that Trump's conduct easily exceeds the threshold of impeachment. Even the witness Republicans invited to defend Trump agreed that his conduct is arguably impeachable.
0: His call was anything but perfect. But the problem is that you have so many witnesses that have not been subpoenaed, so many witnesses that we have not heard from.
1: That was Jonathan Turley of George Washington University. His only real point was that Democrats would set a bad precedent by not pulling on all those dangling threads first, holding out for testimony and evidence Trump has tried to conceal. You know who disagrees with Jonathan Turley? Donald Trump. On Thursday, he tweeted, I say if you're going to impeach me, do it now, fast, so we can have a fair trial in the Senate and so that our country can get back to business. You know who else disagrees? Democrats. Here's Adam Schiff again.
0: There is, I think, grave risk to the country with waiting until we have every last fact when we already know enough about the president's misconduct to make a responsible judgment about whether we think that's compatible with the office of the president.
1: So Trump wants this to be over as soon as possible, and so do Democrats. Even to the point of voting out articles of impeachment the week before Christmas. But here's the thing. When it comes to what's best for the political fortunes of Donald Trump— the guy who committed all of these impeachable offenses, only one of them can be right. Who's right? It's kind of an important question. So we've invited Matthew Miller back to see if we can't answer it and to sort through all of these fast-moving developments. I'm Brian Boitler, and this is Rubicon. (music) Hiring is challenging. But there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart, and growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. Cafe Altura's COO, Dylan Miskiewicz, experienced how challenging hiring can be after unsuccessfully searching for a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But then he switched to ZipRecruiter and saw an immediate difference. And you can, too, by signing up for free at ZipRecruiter.com Rubicon. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. And its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job, so you get qualified candidates faster. In fact, after posting his job to ZipRecruiter, Dylan said he was amazed by how quickly great candidates were applying and found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our website, ZipRecruiter.com slash Rubicon. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash R-U-B-I-C-O-N. Matthew Miller, welcome back to Rubicon. Uh,
2: Glad to be on the Rubicon or across the <laughs> Rubicon or in in the Rubicon. I don't know what the right Treading nomenclature water the, is. The yeah, Rubicon right. is a river and if you <laughs> right, stop halfway, right. you drown. Yeah.
1: Um, so kind of a lot's happened since our first show. Um, and so let's do a quick rundown of the latest. Uh, first, the Intelligence Committee completed its report on the Ukraine investigation. And for the most part, that report recapitulated what we learned in the in the two weeks of hearings. But there were some new developments. Um, What was the significance of that report as far as you're concerned?
2: So I will say two things. First, I think just as a work product, it was incredibly well done, well written, told a clear story, backed it up with with supporting facts. Uh, I actually have a piece coming in the post about how good a work product it is co- compared to the Mueller report, and which, on
1: such a short—I mean, that was—I mean, they as, turned
2: it around so quickly. Now, now, it wasn't like the hearings ended and then they started writing it. No, some of the not. staff for the committee, the other two committees, I'm told, especially the Oversight Committee, were writing that report while Intel was conducting the hearings. So they were working on it for a while, but still incredibly fast compared to the Mueller team, It took forever. And that report had a lot of evidence, but in some ways was indecipherable—at least on the main conclusions. I thought. Um, so I thought it was in, – in, in, as a historic, both a historical document and kind of a persuasion document right now tells the story about what Trump did, um, uh, why it's important to act now, and then I think really critically explains the founders' uh, concerns about factionalism and what that means if, if there's a faction that won't accept truth. Obviously Schiff is talking about the Republicans there, what that means. So I thought it was a great document. Then the other piece of it was this, you know, the bit of news in that where they had subpoenaed the call records. Uh, clearly, they haven't said this, but clearly they've subpoenaed the call records of Giuliani and Lev Parnes. And first of all. I, I, that is the first time that I know of where a congressional committee has subpoenaed third-party call records. Pretty aggressive step. You know, Dan Goldman, the former SDNY prosecutor who's running the investigation, it's clearly a thing that you would do as a prosecutor, but committees just don't do that, so good for him for mm-hmm. doing it. Um, but the fact that those showed not just the all the contacts with the president right before key elements in the, the plot, but that it Ding Devin Nunes up for mm-hmm. being on the phone with this indicted uh, uh, individual, Lev Parnas. Um, a, a, a nice moment uh, for someone who deserved it, so, Devin Nunes.
1: <laughs> so a couple questions about the revelations. Um, one, about uh, Devin Nunes, the the vice chair of the intelligence committee, being implicated seemingly in the yeah. very scheme that, that – the committee was investigating. They had those phone records. If,
2: if that was him on the phone, <laughs> you, <laughs> right. might, you might have his seen dog, his answer. Maybe he yeah, doesn't remember. His, his, was, his maybe dog stole right, his phone right. or whatever. But, <laughs> but
1: you know, if, if if you if you read closely, they had those phone records way before the public hearings, and was why not put that out there early like when you could when when everything's real hot and you can maybe force Devin Nunes to recuse himself instead of letting him in to the to the investigation like having full uh full awareness of what was happening behind the scenes uh allowing him to question witnesses and and, and so on was there some advantage to to waiting until it was all over and then being like, surprise, we knew all along that the Republicans' lead investigator was compromised?
2: So I actually think there was. Um, Look, you can argue it both ways, and I can see it both ways. If you had had, um, revealed that before the the hearings, it would have been a nice talking point to use against Devin Nunes. That said, there's no way to force him to recuse. It's not like working at the Justice Department, where there are clear regulations right. that, that def, you know define when you have to recuse. That's not really true in Congress. <laughs> Congress, you know, There's no reason he has to recuse, and I doubt he would have recused. So it would have been a good talking point, but that's all it would have been. I actually think there was something pretty useful about saving it so there was some news in that report, um, because otherwise the report would have been uh, just a recitation of everything we learned at the, the hearings, a very compelling one, mm-hmm. but just a recitation. And you know how the, the press is, they need something new to drive a news cycle. And this was a pretty good f- new fact to drive a news cycle this week. Well,
1: and then the, the other fact that I was going to ask you about is that it's not just that Giuliani was talking to the, the president, which, you know, we know it's not all on the level, but in theory, Giuliani's his lawyer and you yeah. might expect him to talk to his client a fair amount, but that he was on the phone with the office management and budget. Um, which, I mean, we don't know, but this it seems like this was the drug deal with Mulvaney, right? Like, Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, it's this tantalizing fact and it's totally inappropriate for the president's private lawyer to be talking to the head of the office that determines whether the money that Congress appropriated to Ukraine goes out uh, as scheduled. Um, but and now it's just hanging out there and, and we're not going to –
2: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know how you would figure it out unless, um, uh, you know, look, whenever you get call records, it's metadata. It tells you which two phones were connected. Um, a little bit in Nunes' defense when he makes this joke about not remembering, it doesn't actually tell you that the person who owns the phone right. had the you know made that call. And they were, you know, they only said that it was an OMB connected number. They they obviously what they have are they have the ten digit number. They know right. what number it is. I presume they've called it and try to see who answer, <laughs> answers, but they may have some uncertainty about who it is on the other side of that line. But e- either way, you don't know what it is they talked about. And you'll never know what it is they talked about unless you subpoena the, those individuals and make them come in and talk. And, and then
1: you get them to answer or to, to plead the fifth, and then
2: yeah, that's right. They plead the fifth, or you know, look, um, or I, just I, so I don't recall. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: But in any case, I, I guess for me, these new facts in the report did exactly what you, you know, uh, would predict they would do. Because the media is so hungry for new developments, is that is that nearly all of the attention uh, um, from the press about the report didn't go to the to the narrative recitation of the facts, but to the new mm-hmm. information? And it, like, does it is it, if that's just how the public processes information because that's how it gets farmed out to them by the media? What does that tell you about how the process should be conducted going forward? I mean. I mean, unless Schiff is sitting on a series of bombs, bombshells, and he's going to parcel them out, uh, you know, at regular inter- intervals, th- don't. Isn't there like extraordinary value in trying to ferret out new information?
2: Yeah, I, there absolutely is. I actually think um, one of the 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 mistakes um, I do think they made is. Even if you were going to do a fast impeachment, which I know you disagree with, but let's say let's say we'll get everyone agrees, we'll yeah, we'll get that. <laughs> uh, even if you do it, we're going to do a fast impeachment. I would have pushed forward concurrently in the courts to get Bolton, to get Kupperman, to get Mulvaney, to get these other witnesses. Um, it doesn't seem likely that you would get a final ruling before the impeachment inquiry is over, and probably before the vote in the Senate occurs. But you don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no There, – there is, it seems to me, little harm in
1: pushing. Now – Just get the subpoena out the door. Maybe just hold a contempt vote. Now, you don't need to hold the process hostage. That's that, right.
2: Now, I think what they would tell you the harm is – so they didn't draw a judge they liked. Judge Leon is not the best possible judge they could have gotten. And I think they were a little worried about getting an adverse ruling on the subpoena. And so you get a, a, a adverse ruling in the courts on your ability to enforce that subpoena. You can appeal it. But you've gotten a bad headline on the downside, whereas the upside for you is so remote—the chance that you're going to get testimony before the inquiry is over. I think that's the the risk reward calculation they made. But what I'm hopeful is that at some point they'll go back. Let's say impeachment ends, you know, say by February 10th or whatever. At the the it's over and the president survived. If that's what happens that they go back to the well and try to enforce those subpoenas. Yeah, I mean... Because a John Bolton hearing is still pretty good in August of next year. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, September
1: of next year. I hear you there. <laughs> I, so I, I, a couple of things. One is that there's this idea that maybe in the Senate trial, witnesses who are reluctant to testify in the House will be compelled um, to testify before the Senate. Um, maybe. I don't know. I, like Maybe, we'll yeah, maybe but, maybe, but uh, also, by the way,
2: if I am Adam Schiff, there's no way I'm calling John Bolton at the Senate when trial. You don't, I have no idea what he's right, going to say. Have, you right. I have first, no right? idea what he's going to so say. So, so, <laughs> so there's the risk, right, is,
1: is that he comes in and he right. spoils your whole case, right? Um, uh, the other thing is is that like if – I think that the, the sort of unspoken advantage, just getting the subpoenas out the door, even if you're not sure what the rulings are going to be as the process plays out, is that if you – if there's a dozen people that you could subpoena and one of them just wants, a, you know, to look reluctant, to say that, you know, I, I wasn't yeah. going to testify but then they held me in contempt, whatever, um, that then you get that one person to come in. I mean uh, it's it's not inconceivable to me that that there's a universe of people out there who are either undecided about testifying or like kind of want to but don't want to appear willing. So they'll just wait until they – uh, can say that they were compelled and without without sending those subpoenas out the door, you just um, – you'll never know um, and I guess we'll never know. <laughs> I agree with that. So the Intelligence Committee passes uh, this possibly incomplete report to the Judiciary Committee, which in turn invites some constitutional lawyers to kind of hold a seminar about what impeachment is, why it exists uh, and whether it's warranted in this case. Uh, That hearing was Wednesday. Uh, Was it a useful exercise, a necessary exercise, or was it just something that they did because that's how it's always been done? (laughs) Yeah, look, I think that it was probably
2: a useful exercise for the historical record – less useful for shaping the narrative now. Um, But I do think for the historical record, you need to have two pieces. uh, uh, You you need to complete two pieces. One is the factual record, and Schiff did that, and Schiff is going to come on Monday and present the factual record, or at least counsel for the Intelligence Committee are going to come and present the factual record to judiciary. The second piece is you needed to lay out for the record some, some testimony that the president's conduct fit the definition of an impeachable offense as the founders envisioned it and as we ought to envision it today. And I think they got that on the record. Whether that's a useful exercise for shaping public opinion, I'm somewhat skeptical, although all the cable networks carrying all, an all-day hearing of constitutional scholars saying that what the president did is clearly impeachable. There is a, I think there is some value in that. Not Probably not doesn't
1: move the needle a ton, but I think there's some value. So I've done my best Throughout the show to ignore every dumb debate about optics or pizzazz or whatever. Um, But I do wonder whether Democrats would have been able to drive the point you're making home a little bit better if they'd invited – if they'd invited some conservative lawyer like George Conway or Charles Fried or whoever um, to to advocate for impeachment as like a reluctant – you know, I'm not here because – because I'm a partisan Democrat and impeach impeaching a Republican president is good for my party. It's This is terrible for my party, but it, we have to do it anyway.
2: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I thought two – no, I thought one and a half of the three witnesses they called were good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe two out of the three witnesses the Democrats called were, were good. One very good, one OK, one – Sort of not so great. Um, I, I don't know why they didn't find a spot for conservative. It would have added a, a lot more heft, and would have been someone. It would have been unassailable. Because and, and, and there are plenty of them. Right, there, there are well, lots of them out there.
1: Okay, so when you were here last, your view was that uh, Democrats' quick and dirty impeachment plan was like a shrewd play. If you're going to go for removal, then you 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 make a, a clear cut case on a narrow controversy, and you and you you know run it as hard as you can. Uh, Donald Trump also supports quick and dirty mm-hmm. impeachment now that he knows that he can't avoid him being impeached. So has your view changed? And if not, why are you right and Trump wrong about what's <laughs> in his best political interest? What,
2: what a way to phrase it. <laughs> so I, I have two views depending on which hat I, I put on my head. So – I have, you know, I have kind of oscillated my career back and forth between kind of political hack mm-hmm. and at times inside the government doing a very, you know, very weighty. Like when I was at the Justice Department, very weighty job. You don't think about politics, at least partisan politics. Um, and look, if I if I'm going to take the 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 kind of what's what's the right approach, sort of under the Constitution. I come down with the argument that Schiff made in the preface to to the report he released this week, which I thought was very well articulated, that the threat that Trump uh, poses uh, is urgent. And the duty on members of Congress to respond to that threat is urgent. And they ought to move quickly. and implicit in that is if the members of the Senate aren't willing to do their duty, well, so be it. That's on them and they can take that up with the voters and they can take that up with history. But we're going to do our duty because the threat is urgent. He's out here interfering with the election right now and he's not going to stop. And so we have to try to remove him right away. Um, If I put on my partisan political hat, I think – look – The Democrats' power, this is a case you've made, Is in the courts is strongest when they have an impeachment inquiry open. Their ability to command public focus is, is highest when they have an impeachment inquiry open. Why not let this thing go on for three or four months and keep the focus on Trump's bad behavior? And by the way, that is exactly what House Republicans would do. They viewed their majority as the uh, you know a, a kind of a kamikaze mission to sink the democratic nominee for president hillary clinton and it worked by yeah the way. it worked like the only reason all the comey stuff was ever happened was because of stuff the house seems Republicans. like a Did. there maybe there 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 is um and so there, there i definitely see that argument for it I, I do still come down that um they ought to you know i think they're kind of too far along to sort of stretch it out now. And I do think there's value to just doing the Ukraine piece as a discrete piece on its own. But then what, can't, what has to happen afterwards if they're going to do that is it can't just be then going back to the kind of, uh, you know, uh, ineffective oversight they were doing for
1: the nine months leading but up how to do But how do you make that? Trump will have just been acquitted for the most thoroughgoing obstruction of Congress in history, a point Schiff himself made that this has never happened before. Even Nixon allowed more people to testify than Trump has. Like Trump wants it to be zero people. And then and then he's going to be impeached for it and acquitted for it. So of course he's just going to go back to that. He knows that it's now allowed. And, you know, I – it's it's – where this all falls apart for me is, yes, in theory, of course, like – Trump is an emergency, and um, if if this were like a real prosecution, you move with alacrity. Uh, point I think you made on Twitter, yeah, to uh, to to indict so that you can get that person uh, get him off the streets, get him off the streets, so, yeah. so, so that right. the harm to the public is is minimized. And the only way that analogy fits together with with impeachment is if Republicans are in agreement, such that you can get sixty seven votes to remove him. If not, it's kind of the opposite, right? Like uh, the – once he's acquitted, he's going to be at the sort of apex of his invincibility or whatever. And and it's really as, – as long as Republicans aren't on board, it's the it's the cudgel of impeachment that sort of maybe, maybe keeps him in line, right? The fact that he's under investigation it, is both good for Democrats politically because it keeps – yeah. You know, the, like the media's attention focused on his broad corruption, but it also seems to be the thing that causes him to stop committing crimes, right? Like it's why he pulled the plug on the Ukraine extortion is because he got caught, and he, you know, once the impeachment is behind him, he can recreate an environment where it's very difficult to catch him doing anything.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. It's by the way, I think it's why he kind of backed down on his turkey policy as quickly as he did. It was when impeachment was all breaking mm-hmm. and it was he I think someone was smart enough to tell him that you're asking Republican senators to carry too much. And these are the people that are going to vote on, on your impeachment. Um, look, I, 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 it is a good argument. He's a hard problem to to solve. Um, short of removal, all of the options, I think, are imperfect. Um, uh, and I think he will, without a doubt, as soon as this is over, be back committing similar crimes uh, and feel emboldened by it. I, I think the one – the the one, if we talk about pure this from a purely partisan perspective, one thing I didn't mention earlier, one of the arguments I I think for going with the the most narrow case that you know polls really well and it, the public is squarely behind is it makes it as it makes it the most difficult case for Susan Collins, Cory Gardner, Tom Tillis, all these people who are probably going to vote to acquit him in the senate. Maybe Collins will do something else, but the rest of them I don't think are are going to. Um, and you then have a, a long election period to beat them over the head with it. And and I do think it is I, I know this whole argument about no nothing matters and Trump's base is with him all the time. I think it is a real problem for Republican senators to over, overlook to 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 hang with him on this when the polling Not necessarily on removal but the polling on disapproving of – or disapproving of
1: how he behaved here is so overwhelmingly against him. What do you think happens if you have this like total obstruction of this impeachment investigation? He gets impeached for the obstruction. He gets acquitted for it. Now you have this precedent set that republicans will certainly follow again. is it just like the the world that democrats have to live in that they have to honor subpoenas and they yeah, have to it's, um, or or i mean you know as as like a liberal person who wants the the you know the government of the country uh to be checked um i i don't want to live in a world where both parties are just like they're vying for king like power and then I- ignore oversight for 4 years or 8 years um, but I also don't think it's tenable to have one party that emancipates yes. itself from oversight, and the other party is completely hidebound by it. It, it.
2: This is a bigger question than just oversight. This is a big. I think this is a question about all of the norms that Trump has trampled, because you cannot have a, a, a you cannot have a two party system where the norms and a lot of the oversight things are norms, mm-hmm. because the the law and it is mixed. Because usually, when that Congress goes to court to enforce its subpoenas, it usually gets negotiated before court ruling because neither side wants to set a precedent that's going to bind them or future Congresses or executive branches in the future. It's true for all these norms. You can't have a two-party system where the norms only tie the hands of one party. That's just it, it, it does not work. And I don't think the answer to that means Democrats have to um, – they shouldn't govern like Trump. Should we win? You know, should we win? Um, should we win? Uh, you know, unified control of of, of government. Um, we shouldn't be you know ordering the Justice Department to investigate our political opponents. There's some things that that we have to try to do right just for the right reason. But uh, there, are, there are times when we have to play hardball. And I do think one of the reasons that that Congress has to go to court on some of these things. Um, look at this this ridiculous privilege that they claim that their witnesses don't even have to show up. It, that is a privilege that uh, the Obama administration claimed it too. Bush did it and lost in a district court. There's, it's not because it didn't go to the circuit court. Democrats need to push through and get a binding ruling from the circuit court because that's just bad practice. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these things that have been norms, I, I think we need to push for binding court rulings Um so there are rules that govern right. both parties going forward. This and is the, we can't
1: just let them behave differently than we do. This is the answer that I keep coming to is that if you reach a point where Democrats get beyond Trump and, and unify control of government is that you have to codify this stuff. Yeah. So that, so that you don't end up in the situation where you toggle back every eight years and Republicans use the Justice Department as a as a political cudgel against Democrats. And then you hope that you get a free and fair election – to win power back, like, it, like that—that's like when not they free, make
2: when they make it harder for you to win a free and fair election every time. Every time, in right? Yeah, um, it, it
1: doesn't work. Like, like eventually, they're just going to capture control forever, and then we have an autocracy. And that's why I feel like the stakes of these questions are are, are like Democrats going to really like zip this impeachment out the door and then try to go pass Trump's trade bill trade deal. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I it, back to
2: what you know the way the different way Democrats and Republicans see things is you know Democrats often think the way to get people in tough districts reelected is to work with the other side on something, and Republicans think it's to keep the opposing president at four, keep your boot on his neck, and so he's at forty percent.
1: And I think their strategy is probably the sounder one. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you've moved a little in my direction since episode one. I'll claim it as a victory, even if you won't grant yeah. it to me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, we'll, we'll obviously, you know, keep watching the story unfold and hopefully have you back again one more time. But thanks for being here.
2: Yeah. Can I actually – can I raise one more thing before we go? Yeah, of course of, go? course, of course, So something that's been uh, – I, I wanted to get off my chest because it's bothering me so much. I think the last time I was on, I talked about, you know, removal being in play. And I think the Democrats really did think removal was in, was in play. And I don't think it is anymore unless something changes. Do you know what I think the moment it changed was? No. My answer is going to make you angry. I think it was when Matt Gates did his stupid storming the skiff thing. Um, if you go back and, and think about what was happening before then, Bill Taylor had testified the day before his private deposition. And that was the moment when Republicans were really – you could see they were unsteady. You could see that senators were nervous. They didn't want to defend what the president was doing. They didn't know what she was going to drop. They didn't know what to say to the press. And so they were dodging reporters. And Getz did the thing that always works for Republicans, which is he gave them an enemy, and the enemy was Adam Schiff. And one of the secrets to Trump's success is he he has always been able to get Republicans to overlook his flaws when they have a Democrat to be pissed off at. And it was obviously Clinton in the election. It's been a, a, a rotating cast since then. And on that day, Getz and those other Republicans made Schiff the villain, and they made the way Schiff was conducting the hearings unjust. A, a villain, or they 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 claimed to the to their press that it was improper. It's, it's all all bullshit, obviously. Um, um, and since that day, they have been a united party. And you know, a united party can withstand even the 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 best facts and evidence. It's a it's a it was. A, if I'm right, it's a depressing realization to me because it was. The, st- the stupidest tactic in the world yeah. Um, and well, it, it I mean, looked stupid at the time. It was the Brooks Brothers it, riot. It, it's, that is the exact, the exact analogy. It,
1: it, Matthew Miller, uh, thanks for coming back and hopefully we'll uh, get you back again um, before this whole thing is over. Always fun. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week. Uh, but by next week, we should know a bit more about what exactly Trump will have to answer for in his Senate trial. Judiciary Committee Democrats are already debating which articles of impeachment they will recommend to the full House, including whether they should impeach Trump for obstructing the Russia investigation. If Adam Schiff is sitting on or uncovers any new bombshells, he'll probably have to share them in the coming days. And he'll have a pretty good opportunity because, as Matt mentioned, his investigators will testify to the Judiciary Committee on Monday. This show is produced by Crooked Media. It's written and hosted by me, Brian Boitler, Stephen Hoffman is our producer and editor. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts.